What's going on, everybody? My name is Jeremy Franchese. You are listening to First Floor Conversations, where the view at the top is only as good as the foundation which preserves it. Today, we're talking about how data is the new oil. Data is the new oil. Hey, let me let me jump the gun here. Did not come up with that phrase. I found it online. Uh, I think it was on LinkedIn, and I stumbled across it. But love it nonetheless. Um, we'll unpack that in a second. But just want to say, very excited, very excited, very excited. Uh, you guys asked, and, and I'm, I'm excited to say that, that we've answered here. Uh, one of the questions for you know bringing to the table some clarity on recruiting, how to work with recruiters, how to, to, to get the right you know opportunities, what happens, uh, what are the expectations, um, and so uh, the interview will be coming up soon. Very excited, finally connected with with uh, somebody that's more than an expert, has been in recruiting for several years, a top performer in, in an incredibly reputable company. Uh, and, and working with some very, very large companies now. So uh, she'll be able to provide the context of not only how do you execute in working with recruiters, what to expect, what do you do when you start, to, to, to really like how can you really uh, uh, work with them so that you have a common goal and, and you can both accomplish what they're looking to do, which is place good candidates with good companies. Uh, and, and obviously you're looking for, for the best next job, but also give some context and you know, what are the bigger companies looking for and when they look for recruiters, how are they leaning on them? And, and that way you can best align. So I'm very excited that that's starting to come to fruition. We're a couple days out, but you should see that by late next week is my hope. Uh, but nonetheless, if proof of nothing else, if you bring the ideas and I start to understand that there's some value there for you, I will absolutely either bring it to the topic, uh, bring it to the discussion, or I will bring somebody who is the expert in that area to bring some context. So, uh, how to work with recruiters, expectations for working with recruiters, and the all-around topic of how do you get that dream job with, with, with where you're at now, if you're looking for that next step, you're looking for a move, how can you leverage a recruiter to get that next step in your, your career or chapter in your life? So um, thank you for the feedback. You know who you are uh, and, and just excited on that. But hey, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about data is the new oil look really simple I'm not looking to, to 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 go crazy on this one but let's be real here like data is is the most valuable commodity now like in the world right now people are hacking people over people's information data is leveraging some of the most innovative technological solutions strategies and companies making consumers smarter consumers I mean it's changing the world but just like oil the quality of the oil is ultimately the deciding factor in how much that oil is worth right if you put terribly terribly low grade oil into a luxury car watch what happens <laughs> right if you put really high very refined top-notch quality oil into that machine it's gonna run better it's gonna last longer you're gonna see the performance and just like that with data the quality caliber sourcing and overall attributes of, of, of the information is what holds its power and holds its worth because we're seeing it left and right companies are selling data they're repurposing it they're trading it it's it's everything it is the chips on the table if you're playing poker right and so 
the reason I wanted to bring this up is because it's only going to be more impactful, right? It's only going to be, be something that, that is more involved in your lives. And this is not just a business thing, right? I'll give you two examples of how a non-business person should be using data to, to execute on whatever it is that they're working for. I'll give you one example. If you're buying property, if you're buying a home and you don't understand the price of that home and you feel it's really high, Maybe you're working with a new real estate agent. Maybe they're a tenured one and maybe they're just trying to take advantage of you. Whatever the situation is, right? Maybe they're doing a great job and you just don't understand what's going on because you're new and that's okay. Ignorance is okay. You're learning, right? Not everybody knows everything about everything. That's why the information is, is valuable. Google is valuable. The, the, the access we have is tremendous from our fingertips, right? So you look at that home price, they say it's $300,000 for that townhome in, in Northern Virginia. And you're like, I feel like that's really high for 1,100 square feet, right? Well, you take a step back rather than just saying, no, I'm not going to buy. That's too low. And you go do your research. Now, if you're looking and you pull data and it says, well, nationally, townhomes don't sell. The average townhome in America sells for $180,000. These people are charging me $300,000. This is garbage. They're ripping me off. And you go blow up the deal when in reality, your data was wrong. That's, that's a way of you not looking at the quality of the data. That's you taking advantage of nonsense and blowing something up that could have been a great opportunity, but you went to imright.com and found information that you felt you could use to your advantage. The reason I bring this up is because to step back, the quality of the data is everything. The intent behind the data is also important because if you have an agenda, you can make data sound and do whatever you want it to do. So if you're negotiating for that home on the upside and you're the real estate agent and the, the, the average home is X, Y, and Z and it's it's and you're trying to find the leverage, you can use data to, to do that as well. But my point is if we look at things and it's all integrity based, everybody's equitable and we're just trying to get things done in the right way so everybody walks out happy, not the case always, but, but for the most part, I think most people are inherently good. But the ability to leverage data, have great quality data, the caliber is verified it empowers you to be a more sophisticated buyer, a more sophisticated member of society, and ultimately uh, 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 get what you want without it having to be at the expense of other people because you're not just bullying people, but you're leveraging facts and information. So in that same situation, you as a first-time home buyer, without having a clue what's going on, maybe your agent doesn't want to help you, maybe they're your best friend and they're like, hey, well, Tommy, I'll help you list your home, I'll help, I'll help you find a house, but they don't know what they're talking about because they're family, but that doesn't mean they're qualified, right? But you go, you do your research, you actually do quality research, verify the data is correct, and you look at that agent and say, hey, listen, you're asking me $300,000 for that, that 1,100 square foot townhome. From my research in this DC metropolitan area, the average townhome of this size with, with a two bedroom with a, a one and a half bath, X, Y, and Z, typically goes for between 225 and 275. Now, I see here we need to redo this part. This should cost this much. We may have to replace that in the next year or two. And ultimately, I see some room for improvement on the exterior. So with about $40,000 in rehab that we're going to have to do, knowing that the prices should in this area range between $225 and $275, accounting for that, how about we meet in a common ground and we talk about what we can come to an agreement on around the $220 mark. I still have to put in about $20 to $30 to get to a point of this being a competent place where I feel good about 
about it and, and I don't mind investing the 30 to get it to where we want it because like you said in, in your walkthrough, the location's amazing, the property has potential and everybody around the schools and, and the access to the highways, it's, it's incredible. So I'm not going to budge there, but I do think based on what I'm seeing in the market, if we could come closer to 225, give me some room to actually improve the property like you mentioned and we agree is necessary, I think we'd be able to come into an agreement. Versus you saying nationally the average home sells for $170,000 and you're ripping me off, that doesn't get anything done. But if that other alternative brings some quality data, it provides a more thought-provoking conversation that ultimately leads you both down the 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 the, uh, uh, the the route of accomplishing what you joined to accomplish, which is acquiring the property, right? So on the, on another example, right? And if you're not in the market buying a property. Let's say you're looking, you're, you're interviewing for jobs. There's two scenarios when you get a job offer, when you look at the amount on the, do, on the, on the job offer. You look at it, you have no idea what you're talking about, and you blindly either say, this is too much, this is too little, this is fine, and you take it, but ultimately you have no backing of information, and you don't really have much to say, so you just impulsively respond to it. This isn't high enough. I deserve 70, not 50. Yeah, da, 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 da. That is not a great way to negotiate, nor is it a great way to lend an impression towards your new employer or potential employer. On the other side, maybe you're not a business person, but maybe you want the best salary, maybe you want the best offer, you want the best promise in this new opportunity. Here's where you can leverage data. Now, if you have terrible data, and you don't do real research, let's say you're looking for a, a clerical job, right? Just a basic office job, and they offer you $30,000 a year at based out of Arlington, Virginia, right? And you look at that, and you're like, I feel like this is kind of low, but I don't really know. And you just arbitrarily are like, hey, listen, like, I really want to work here, but I, I think this is too low. I need it to be at least 50. And you negotiate based on impulse and emotion. They're probably not going to respond well to that. It's not going to reflect well, and if you don't do it the right way with, with, with like, if you come off like an ass, and you're like, this is garbage, and you blow it up, like, they're not going to hire you because they're going to see how emotional you are probably. However, if you do your research, you gather the correct data, you validate where it's coming from, and you know where it is, then you can look at the offer, and I'm, let me preface this. I'm not saying you're going to get it, but I'm saying that you have a better chance of obtaining that which you're negotiating for or looking for and landing a better impression by leveraging this alternative approach, which is... Okay, I, you know, like you get the offer. Hey, I, I appreciate the offer and, and I, I, I really do want to work here. I, I feel that um, the culture and the vision and the people I've met is nothing but stellar. So let me just preface. Thank you for the opportunity and the extended hand because I'm very excited to start here. From my research and what I've looked at, this type of a role in the DC metro area, Arlington more specifically, based on the experience I have and the requirements of this job and, and the overall immersiveness, I'm gonna be plugged into the executive team and being of value to them as well. I typically see that that salary starts at closer to $55,000 a year based on what I'm seeing. Now, I recognize that every company has different upsides that may not be financial, and I do recognize that this is a value or this, right? You can give a little bit of a verbal concession in, but I recognize the culture here may be impactful and, and a reason people love working here and or the the you know the the the, the technology or the stand-up desks or whatever it is that they're floating and voting about. But ultimately, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Business Owner, Mr. and Mrs. Hiring Manager, I I, I see room for us to to uh, up to to, to uh, excuse me. I, I see some room for us to revise the, the starting salary just based on what I'm seeing in the market. Now, 
Is that fair? Like, do you, do you feel that? Do you see that as well? Is there room for negotiating here? Is this a final offer? Because I feel like there's, 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 I feel like it's low, right? Now, pausing for a second, I'm not saying you're going to land that offer. I'm not saying every time it's going to work. I'm not telling you I'm a professional negotiator. What I'm telling you is let's use our common sense muscle here, right? Let's use common sense. Option A, this offer is too low. I don't feel like it's worth it. I should get at least 50. I'm worth it. Da, da, da. Option B, thank you so much for the offer. I've loved everything about the process and I've learned a tremendous amount about your group. Before I really answer, I, I from what I'm re, my research, I feel like the number should cl start closer to 50. The reason I say that is, is not because of being ill-prepared in impulse, Mr. and Mrs. Hiring Manager. From my research, I've seen that these 8810 clerical employees with at least three to five years experience in the DC metro, Arlington area specifically, for private companies that have leverage, excuse me, responsibilities to participate in executive level work to support the CE staff and, and do those types of operations, typically I see that starting around 50. Now, that being said, I recognize that there are certain in, like non-financial incentives of working here from the culture to the casual nature, the work from home days. And I don't want to discount any of that because it's clearly something you put thought and attention into. However, at the end of the day, that's what my numbers are showing me. And I want us to, to start this relationship and this next step for both of us on a path where we both feel like we're being taken care of. What are your thoughts on coming up from 30 to 50? That option is going to yield two options. One, the potential to get better because they see true negotiating data-driven conversations. But even if you don't get what you're asking for, they see what you're like when you are prepared, equipped with information and those second, third level in in instincts to be prepared. That's what they're going to want working for them. So it does nothing but show that they are hiring the right person as well. Right? For the most part, right? You're going to get maybe one or two people like the offer stands, it's flat, don't, you know, no negotiating. And that's what it is. But for the most part, that is where you can come in and have an opportunity to shine. Now, on the flip side, if your data is terrible and you do research and it's garbage data and you actually just look up I'mRight.com and find the, and you Google, what is the, the highest salary for the average clerical employee? And it's like, whoa, they make $80,000 a year. And you come and stomping your feet, banging the, the, the table, saying, Mr. Hiring Manager, the, the, mo I, I did my research and, and most of these clerical employees make at least $80,000 a year. And you're, you're giving me a $35,000 offer. And I just can't even think about accepting that if you're going to lowball me. But in reality, you just didn't do your research correctly, right? You didn't do it correctly. And so back to the original topic of conversation, data is the new oil. If your data is garbage, not refined, and it has no use other than you trying to force it into your agenda, it doesn't do anything but either rip off the person you're having an exchange with because they may not notice and it still doesn't work, right? Or it's going to just rub the wrong way in whatever you're trying to use it for. It's either going to blow up the mission, destroy your ability to execute, or it's going to make you look like an ass. Okay. But from an executive level and to turn the page from a business perspective, companies are starting to learn the value of data in their workforce strategies and how they price out compensation and they design benefit plans. They manage their employees, right? Gallup did a study in 2018 and in, in the American workforce and noticed that, you know, 
you know, what was it seventy-two percent of uh, Americans, you know, want better benefits, but sixty-four percent of them said they leave for marginally better benefits. Now, if I just say what I just said and I just said like, oh, Gallup did a study and forty percent of Americans said they want better benefits, and and sixty-five percent and sixty-four percent of them said they'd leave for better benefits, like it changes the 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 message. The quality of the data, like it matters. But my point is, they're starting to look at the fact that we can use data from a business perspective to drive more sophisticated, financially sound decisions in our workforce, in our companies, and in our strategies. And so, you know, for an example, if you're in the business side of the house, or if you operate on the healthcare side of a company, in HR, as a controller, as a COO, as a CEO, as a C, you know CFO, so many executives I'll meet with talking about healthcare renewals. And they look and they're like, we have the best healthcare. Like, and if I, if I ask them about, like, hey, you know, like, talk to us about your healthcare. Any feedback from your people? Oh, they love it. All oh, stuff. They love it. Never any problems, right? They all. Everybody loves it. They have low deductible. They don't pay anything when they go to the doctor, and like that's their case. And so typically, I'll just pose the question, like, okay, I'm, I'm first off thrilled that your people haven't provided anything but positive feedback. Thrilled. Where'd you get the strategy? Like, where did you acquire the data that showed that a no deductible or a low deductible was the best offer in the town? Right? When I was, you know, like when I'm when I was five years old and I couldn't see into my freezer to see the ice cream, like I was too short. Sure, I was thrilled what was in the fridge because I like to eat. I'm always down for something. But I didn't know what else was out there because I didn't have sight into those doors. Pun intended, kind of. Now, I'm not saying having bad data, you know, you know, I'm not saying you having bad data makes you short, but but I am kind of saying that having no data or bad data does make you short-sighted. And I hope that doesn't come off anything but constructive, um, because those same executives that, that have no data, no strategy, their broker doesn't provide anything other than a, a line to sign on when they go to renew. They're simply hurting their potential to drive better engagement, bolster better productivity, drive retention, get a better return on their investment with their healthcare and, and their insurance and their benefit programs and their people, hire top talent, and ultimately create a better profitable company. And so if you don't do that, you're kind of left with where you're, you're just, you have what you have. Now on the flip side, if you look at the fact that HSAs are the fastest growing segment in healthcare right now, health savings accounts due to their pre-tax ability to shut their money, have an employer contribution to drive traffic and show another form of contribution from a benefit perspective, you offer a high deductible health plan, high deductible. Yep, you have a high deductible. What it means is that you have a shift in, in the ability for the consumer-driven health plan, that's again, a consumer-driven health plan, for the consumer to carry the upside. If they are healthy, they keep the money. If they're healthy, they don't have to throw money and premium away to the carriers. So yeah, they may spend 100 or $150 when they go to the doctor, but if they don't go all of the time, they save a ton of money, right? And so they can use that HSA to pay for those copays. So they still didn't hit. And so my point is, when you look at the state of the market, when you leverage data to build strategies, when you actually equip yourself with information that's not only credible, it's accurate, it is highly refined, 
you can execute your strategies, build better strategies, be more an empowered, sophisticated, and educated consumer, and, and, and simply get what you're trying to get in a way that makes a lot more sense, right? Whether you're negotiating your starting salary, you're buying your home, or you're trying to figure out what healthcare, you know, what health insurance to offer your people, acquire data. Acquire data, make sure it's quality, make sure it's refined, make sure it's something that you don't need to pay for. The amount of companies selling data that's open for everybody to acquire and they're just packaging it and selling it back to them for 20 grand through a consultation is crazy. Right? Ask where people are getting information if they're trying to sell you data. Where are you getting this from? If they can't answer it, don't buy it. If they can't answer it and it's somewhere that everybody has access to and they're just selling it at an upsell, like at a margin, don't buy it. Like if you're buying, if you're buying data from somebody that's going to help you build a strategy, right? If, if that's what you're doing and they, and it like, like recruiting, for example, recruiting, oftentimes they'll be like, Oh, I work with a recruiter. You know, they, they, we pay them 25, 30%, but they're amazing. And all they do when you ask them what they do is literally go through indeed monster job boards, clearance shops. They literally just sift through job boards and that's it. They just funnel resumes to people and they're like, Oh, they're amazing. But they don't ask that question. So they just assume that they have a team of people doing all this incredible work for them. When in reality, they're literally just doing scanning of, of job boards. So like asking that question now bodes the question, what do we do with Tom or Lisa, that $15 an hour intern in HR when they're not really busy? Why don't we just have them scanning job boards? Because at, instead of paying 30% on a salary, they're already getting paid to sit and do nothing. So where are they getting the data? Is it quality? Do I need to pay for it? Now that I know yes or no, I do or don't need to pay for it. How can I make sure that I leverage this data for the best use, for the most equitable use, and to, to move the point across the table? It does not matter what you're doing. You're going to interact with data at some point in your life. You're going to need to leverage data at some point in your life. It's going to be a, 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 a tool that you can leverage to be more effective. Negotiating your salary, buying your property, getting your car insurance, it does not matter. If you have an understanding of the market, the data you can acquire can make you so much more powerful. But you have to make sure it's quality. And so to round this out in the topic of conversation being data being the new oil, data is the most valuable commodity in our world right now. The quality of the data is the differentiator and the packaging of that data is the makeup because when you don't know that's where the 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 challenge is or when you choose to not care that's where there's a challenge as well and so i hope this is informational i hope it makes you think about things a little bit differently because if you're building a strategy or a foundation with crap data and it's just i'm right.com mentality without back checking or you know, you know, validation or any credibility and no refining of the oil, we'll say, um, then you can get to that fourth floor in that building, but it's going to crumble because your foundation is crap, right? It's not going to matter. And so this is first floor conversations. My name is Jeremy Franchese. This is episode 16. And what we believe here is very simple. In order to build with certainty and to build with confidence, the view at the top is only as good as the foundation which preserves it. And in the world where data is all, data being the new oil, data being a commodity that is absolutely beyond valuable, 
making sure that where you source it is of quality, how you leverage it is of quality, and the fact that you recognize that it's significant is very important. And so rate, review, comment, everything is helpful, everything is welcome, and I'm grateful for those that continue to listen, stream, and, and drop their thoughts because it only helps me craft the message and continue to bring some value, curate the conversations, bring in some interviews, uh, and ultimately continue to, to leverage this platform to, to be a value to you. So my name is Jeremy Franchese. This is First Floor Conversations. See ya.